drop bows on them. Drop bows on them. When we. This episode of BFS MVP is sponsored by Draft, a daily fantasy app where your chances of winning are over 200% better than on other DFS sites. On Draft, you can do a simple snake draft for one week whenever you want. A draft takes just minutes to complete. Download Draft now. Be sure to enter the promo code 4 for 4 to get 100% deposit. Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports' most valuable podcast, presented by 4 for 4 Football. I'm 4 for 4 Senior DFS Editor Chris Raybon, joined as always by Associate Editor and Roster Coach Co-Founder Mr. TJ Hernandez. Happy Thanksgiving, TJ. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Chris. Looking forward to uh, to some turkey, some ham, some, some stuffing, and uh, of course some football. Where do you rank turkey on meats? Like, is it is it above ham and chicken, or like where, on, on, like steak, turkey, or beef? You know, chicken, turkey, pork. Tur- turkey, turkey goes up in value the next day when you can get that leftover sandwich. But the, but but at Thanksgiving, I uh, I tend to go for the ham, A little honey glaze. That's my jam. Oh yeah, I mean that's what I was kind of getting at. Like turkey is a little bit overrated mm-hmm. as a meat. Um, I think it. it best used is on sandwiches like you said um, i'll go for some fried chicken on thanksgiving yeah i like that i'm i'm a big uh, fan of um sweet potato pie that's what i look forward to the most oh, on yeah. thanksgiving oh yeah that's a good call uh the music that played us in today was southern hospitality by Ludacris, off back for the first time which came out in the year 2000 We're gonna be throwing some bows this weekend tj yeah, I didn't. I mean, I was just going through the DFS MVP playlist. Notice we didn't have any Luda, and of course, if we're gonna do classic hip hop, Luda fits in there. Uh, Southern hospitality. I think everybody's gonna be real hospitable this week with the holidays starting up. So, seem seem fitting. Most definitely. Let's get right into the pod this week. What we're gonna do is we're going to use our theory segment time to talk about the Thanksgiving slate. So we'll do that first. We'll give you guys some short slate tips and break down each of the three games on the Thanksgiving slate. And then we'll get into the regular pod. Real quick before we do that, the 4 for 4 DraftKings Championship Qualifier is still going on. The championship is in week 15. You can go to 4for4.com and the DFS sub-menu at the top. There will be a link to the 4 for 4 DK Championship Qualifier. In week 11, the first place winner was Shepard Capper. He went with Colin Kaepernick, Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy, Doug Baldwin, Tyreek Hill, Richard Matthews, 
Uh, Vance McDonald stacked with Kaepernick at 1.6 ownership. Got him 13.6 points, so that was a good call there. T.Y. Hilton in the flex in the Vikings defense at 5.3%, scored 20 drafting points. So congratulations to Shapper the Capper. Again, you guys can sign up to play the 4 for 4 Drafting Championship Qualifier now by going to 444.com, the DFS submenu. You will see a link where you can enter on DraftKings. So let's get right into the Thanksgiving slate. And before we get into the games, let's just start with some short slate tips. So TG, I guess I'll throw to you, What is? how do you approach smaller slates, say three games or less, compared to medium or large slates? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a, always a tricky endeavor because you're always going to have so much overlap. No matter no matter what you do, you're, you're going to end up with a, a lot of similar lineups to other teams. Uh, but really, I mean, if, if there's any really obvious value or, or really huge volume guys, um, I, I don't think going for a full fate of those guys is ever really what I'm, I'm looking for. Uh, often what happens on these short slates is uh, because leverage and ownership is so important that it's just one or two um, really big sleeper plays. I mean, we talk about how easy it is to win something like the millionaire on a full slate without a 1% owned guy. On a short slate, sometimes that kind of gets uh, turned around. If you just have that random wide receiver three that scores an 80 yard touchdown sometimes that's a difference in the slate so kind of searching for those guys a little bit more in these slates um and then just depending on my volume just kind of hedging and mixing and matching and hoping to find some kind of unique lineup combination that someone doesn't have yeah definitely the way i look at it usually need like you said at least one key low own play and you're probably going to need one key fade um, and it doesn't have to be a stud or, or, or a, a must-play guy that you have to fade, but there's usually going to be someone, maybe he'll be in the middle tier of pricing, or even a cheap guy that just fits in nicely, and so everyone's on him, and sometimes you can fade that guy, but in general, you usually need to differentiate yourself by having a low own play and then avoiding one of the popular busts. This week, I think this short slate is a little different from most short slates because all the studs in terms of Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, Antonio Brown are pretty much locked in. They have super high floors. I, I feel a lot more confident about these three guys than I usually do about studs on a short slate where sometimes it'll just be a really expensive wide receiver and you, you can't really trust them. But Antonio Brown pretty much is going to give you a floor of about 15 points every week. We saw him even with the wind and Le'Veon Bell chewing up a bunch of yardage last week in Cleveland. Antonio Brown still caught, I believe it was eight passes for 76 yards, so still got about 15 DraftKings points. Um, in this specific slate, TJ, are you still trying to jam in the three studs? Are you going with two out of the three, or what's your approach? Yeah, it, it varies a little bit between FanDuel and, and DraftKings. I don't think you could get all three on FanDuel. Uh, DraftKings, you can, but you're going to be leaving yourself with uh, some. You're really going to be punting other positions. But uh, on these short slates, another thing that, that I didn't talk about at first is getting uh, lineups. When you build these lineups, a lot of times you're going to have really funky 
um, salary at the end. So sometimes you'll be leaving mm-hmm. $1,500, $2,000 on the table. So that's another reason you can really get uh, some interesting lineup combos. It's just going to look really weird when you do that. But um, maybe you do end up with two or three studs and you still leave a ton of money on the table. So uh, that is one opportunity that I'm looking for, um, kind of just – leaving some salary out there a lot of times people might be afraid to do that and we'll talk about uh, this a little bit later well where players might just kind of fit into a full salary and that that makes them chalkier on a short slate um another thing that that i didn't touch on is we have an opportunity in these short slates to get low owned players in positions where it doesn't happen so a lot of times uh, we'll get to this when we get to the first game a lot of times a quarterback his ownership is never really that much further below the field and we have a full slate of quarterbacks um a lot of times the highest on guy might be 10 percent, sometimes 15 percent. on these short slates uh you'll see a guy maybe five percent on and the rest of the quarterbacks 20 30 40 percent on so there are leverage plays at quarterbacks where sometimes we don't uh have that opportunity but yeah to answer your question i think i'm going to be trying to jam in a, a couple of the studs a b bell zeke um and then just kind of work around them for the most part obviously i'll have a couple lineups where i fade them but not too much yeah definitely i'm kind of going the same route i'm gonna try to get all three of them in as much as i can actually because you made a really great point Usually on a short slate, you end up leaving a lot of salary on the table because it's usually those low-owned, especially wide receivers, that will catch a long touchdown or have a big game out of nowhere. And so if you had that receiver, you just wouldn't use your whole salary cap. But this short slate is kind of unique to where I really do feel confident about the studs. So I'm using those low-cost receivers and tight ends a little more out of necessity than usual. Um, but either way, I think I'm going to be uh, really trying to get Le'Veon and Ezekiel in there especially. And then Antonio Brown is probably my least favorite of the three. But I think, you know, weaving him out is probably overthinking it at this point, especially Vontae Davis banged up. And, you know, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, we know that they can eat in the same game. And this coach defense is really bad. Um, I know Detroit has worse numbers but I my opinion is that the Colts defense is actually a little worse um I think Detroit has started to slow the pace down a little on offense and to try to help out their defense a little bit and I've noticed these last couple of games Detroit really hasn't got savaged the way Case Keenum did them earlier in the year so um really do want to attack this Colts defense um, maybe people will overthink it a little bit now that Andrew Luck is out, but I really like the spot for the Steelers. But let's get right into the first game, and that is Minnesota at the Detroit Lions. As we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, about 4.30 Eastern time, the Lions are favored by 2.5 in the over-under is 43. Stephon Diggs is questionable with a knee injury. It looks like cornerback Terrence Newman will be out, so Trey Waynes will be starting in his place. Xavier Rhodes likely will be matched up on Marvin Jones. That's a tough matchup for Marvin Jones, but Golden Tate's matchup should be pretty good. TJ, how are you feeling about Tate in this game? Yeah, I mean, I think... uh... This is probably the game that's most intriguing to me because uh, it is the lowest over-under and I think is going to go the most overlooked. 
but on a short slate, I, that, that kind of makes me uh, want to get some sneakier plays in this game. Uh, I think Tate's a, a fine option just because uh, we know Stafford's kind of been looking his way more. But I do like Ebron a little bit more because we have seen that workload going up. Uh, Ebron has been putting up some decent numbers, and Minnesota is somewhat susceptible to to the tight end. The play that I'm really interested in this game is Sam Bradford, especially on DraftKings, because uh, although Detroit hasn't been as bad lately as they were in the beginning of the season, they still rank 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. And on DraftKings, Bradford's only $100 more than Tolzien, and I think uh, because people are going to be talking about playing Tolzien and Cash, the minimum salary, uh, because Minnesota doesn't have uh, that uh, shootout potential. Um, I think he's going to go overlooked, but like I was talking about in the intro, we don't have a lot of opportunities to get a super low owned quarterback and, and bigger slates. And I think we could see uh, this be a really low owned spot for Sam Bradford. And I wouldn't overlook the fact that Minnesota is kind of in a must win situation. So they might be a little more aggressive in this game. If they lose, they're effectively two games behind Detroit in the division because that means Detroit would have, would have swept them for the season. Uh, so could be a little more of aggressive game plan if, if Minnesota really gets in a spot where um, they feel like they need to attack. Definitely. And in addition to Detroit being 31st in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, they're also 27th in fantasy points allowed to tight end. So good spot for Kyle Rudolph. But I want to talk about some of the cheaper options in this game because I think these are the guys that will probably end up winning people a lot of money. So the first guy is Anquan Bolden. I really like Bolden on both sides. He's 3,300 on DraftKings and 4,800 on FanDuel. So he's essentially one of those free squares. Now on DraftKings, he scored 8.8 or more DraftKings points in eight of his last nine games. So at 3,300, like he's almost hitting 3x value just from his just from his floor. Um, so that's really not a bad look on FanDuel because it's only half PPR. It's not as not as great of a play, but he has six or more FanDuel points in eight of his last nine games, and you're only paying 4800 So, I mean, Anquan Bolden is a very kind of a safe play that, you know, if he just outperforms his floor by a little bit or catches a touchdown or something like that, in addition to his four or five catches, could really be in business. And then another guy that's really interesting is Cordero Patterson. He's uh, 3600 on DraftKings, and if you look at his... DraftKings game logs, he's actually scored double digit points in four of his last six games. He's got, he had eight targets his last game for the game before, but then another eight against Detroit three weeks ago, three targets the week before that, but then another seven uh, the week before that. So Cordell Patterson's actually been a lot more involved than uh, we might think. And he, we know he has that kind of slate swinging upside just because of his athletic ability. He can take a kickback. He can catch a screen and take that to the house. So I think Cordero Patterson is somebody we shouldn't overlook. And then Adam Thielen, he's 4K on DK, a little overpriced on Fandle at 6,200. But I think you have to consider all your options in a short slate, no matter the price tag. Thielen is averaging four catches, 62 yards, and 0.5 touchdowns over his last six games. And a couple of those games are due to, I think Stefan Diggs might have missed a game and then he was on 
Patrick Peterson last game and Thielen spiked, but Thielen's actually a pretty good receiver. So another guy we can't overlook. TJ, how are you feeling about those three guys? Any uh, any preferred option among those? Yeah, I I really love Corderell Patterson as a just a sneaky tournament play, like possibly the take down the tournament play of the week because uh, he has been seeing some decent target volume. Uh, I think four of the last six games he has double-digit PPR games. And also you can stack him with the Minnesota defense, and those are those kind of sneaky leverage upside plays, get the double dip with the kick return, uh, that you can really separate yourself from the field. I don't think we'll see a lot of people roll out that combo. Uh, that, that's quickly becoming my favorite um, lineup combination of the week. How about... This Marvin Jones situation real quick. Marvin Jones' salary has dropped a ton. We saw him put up some huge games early in the year, but he's been all but invisible these last few weeks, whereas Golden Tate, as you mentioned, has come on really strong. Only two targets last week, five the week before against the Vikings for Marvin Jones. He'll probably be on Xavier Rhodes how are you approaching it? Is it a situation where you're saying, okay, I want to take advantage of this price drop and nobody's been on and nobody's going to be on him. So, and he has upside that he's shown. So I want to have exposure. Or are you saying I'm not messing with Xavier Rhodes? He held him to one catch on five yards on five targets the last time. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of leaning towards the latter. There just isn't anything that suggests that, uh, that Stafford's going to, start looking Jones's way. I mean, we've seen Eric Ebron and um, Anquan Bolden kind of dominate the red zone targets. Uh, we've seen Tate's targets trending up lately. And Theo Riddick's going to be in the mix too. So I just don't exactly see where Marvin Jones is going to fit into the puzzle. I mean, it is a short slate and it is you can make an argument for anybody, but uh, I just don't really... I can't really tell myself a story where Detroit just goes to Jones all of a sudden. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think this is a situation where, and we have to be careful of this, where we see the price drop and we, we've seen the upside and we kind of say, you know, okay, I'm looking to be contrarian. This is a play, but at the same time, this is never a guy you would land on otherwise if this wasn't a short slate really because it's a really – bad matchup and we've seen him just not really involved in in this matchup it kind of makes sense that he wouldn't be um two other guys I want to talk about in this game before we move on to the Cowboys and the Redskins are Jarek McKinnon and Matt Asiata because I think it's really interesting McKinnon 16 carries and a target last week um, just has not been able to get anything going with this offensive line. Hasn't even averaged three yards a carry since week seven. But 17 touches last week. And then we know Matt Asiata will be involved if they get around the goal line. Which of those two backs do you like more? Are you going with the volume and the athletic ability of McKinnon or are you going with the touchdown upside of Asiata? Yeah, I don't, I mean, there aren't, I'm not trying to get cute at running back this week. I think you can use um, kind of the guys that we can project uh, comfortably and, and kind of mix them into game stacks and 
kind of make unique lineup combinations. But I did mention that I think that uh, Minnesota does have a good chance to move the ball. I talked about Sam Bradford, but uh, if he does do that, I think we talked about the wide receivers. I think Thielen, Diggs, uh, um, Patterson, and Rudolph are going to kind of dominate those looks so much that we know that Minnesota is not going to run the ball great uh, with McKinnon. So I'm favoring just the touchdown upside of uh, Matt Asiata. Hopefully you can maybe do a, a naked Sam Bradford with Asiata, hope that they move the ball well and, and Asiata steals a couple of those touchdowns, but I just don't see the upside to win a tournament from McKinnon. Yeah. I mean, I think on the short slate, I'm I'm kind of struggling with the two. They're kind of equal to me because the thing with McKinnon is, and we've seen this before, it's like you can be a very inefficient rushing attack, but all it takes is that one busted play. And if McKinnon can scoot like 60 yards and his other 10 carries will go for like 12 yards. So, I mean, I kind of view them as equal. I think they both offer different things. Um, I'll probably have exposure to both. I don't think I'll be you know, too different between them. Um, when I'm building lines where I can fit those guys in the flex with Bell and Zeke at running back on DraftKings, I'll probably just have equal exposure. I'm not going to get too cute there. Like you said, I don't think I want to have too much exposure to either of those guys. And one final thing on this, you mentioned the Vikings defense as a double dip option with Cordell Patterson. However, the Lions defense is the home favorite. They are going against the Vikings team that is really struggling on the offensive line. Which defense do you like more in this game, Vikings or the Lions? Mm, I think I still just kind of like Minnesota overall. Um, I think they are the better defense overall. I, I like the special teams upside. But, uh, I mean, I, I could see an argument for both, but in a game with such a low over-under under and such a close spread, uh, I have no problem with going with the, the better real-life defense. Yeah, I'm with you there. Let's go to Washington at the Dallas Cowboys. As of this recording, the Cowboys are favored by a touchdown with an over-under of 51. So Dallas's implied total of 29 is the highest on this three-game slate. So we'll start at quarterback. TJ, is Dak Prescott the top option at quarterback overall on the slate. He's 8K on FanDuel, 6,300 on DraftKings. He's got 17.5 points or more in each of his last nine games. With Ben Roethlisberger on the road, is Dak the top option in your eyes? Yeah, I mean, he has been the most efficient passer of late. The only quarterback uh, with the better touchdown rate is Tom Brady, but uh, that's over the last six weeks. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of torn because this is something that, that you pointed out this week that I think this, uh, this might be one of those cases where the implied point total, um, kind of all the hype has to do with a lot of recency bias and, and Vegas kind of catering to the public. I think that this could be a really run heavy game for Dallas. I, I'm really close to saying that I'd rather have Kirk Cousins this week than Dallas, just in a spot where where Washington's going to have to be throwing a lot. Um, So I I do like Dak, but I I think I'm going to lean Cousins in this spot. Interesting. Yeah, so I guess I'll explain to the listeners what I was talking about. And you guys can also read a little about this. I wrote it up in my FanDuel 
Thanksgiving slate breakdown. That's on four for four right now. But so the over under of this game is 51. And as of this recording, about 88% of the public bets were coming in on the over. And it actually got bet up to 52 now that I look at it. And in my opinion, that's a really aggressive over-under for this game. I think, you know, first of all, the Cowboys are still a team that can keep the ball away from the other team because, like you mentioned, TJ, they have that rushing attack, Ezekiel Elliott. The Redskins are allowing the second most yards per carry at 4.59 in the league. The Cowboys are allowing opponents to run just 60 plays per game. That's third fewest in the league. And over the past over their past three games, opponents are only running 54 plays per game. And that is the least in the league. So there's a possibility that the, the Redskins don't even get to run a lot of plays in this game. And this, that's just another reason why I like Zeke pretty much more than anyone else in this game. But then we have to factor in the fact that the Skins are coming off an emotional win over the Packers in prime time. Now they're on a short week, and I think Vegas kind of... First of all, for people that don't know, Vegas tends to shade certain lines for for teams that the public really likes to bet on. Usually it's the Patriots, the Cowboys, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So what that means is they'll usually give them a a little higher spread or, or... over-under total because even if they think the game will be a little lower because they know the public will take those those bets. And then, you know, it's like this week where you have 88% of the public betting on one side. And if this game goes under, you know, Vegas stands to make a lot of money. So I think this might be a situation where the public and, you know, DFS players may kind of project what Washington did last week to Green Bay's defense in prime time. And Green Bay's defense is really just not good right now. They're dealing with a ton of injuries. They've given up 30 points or more in four straight games. You know, they gave up, what, 47 to the Titans, whereas the Colts held the Titans to 17 the next week. So that should just show you how bad the Packers defense is. And I just think that the over-under on this game is a lot higher than it should be. I think there's a possibility that this game goes way under. And I think this might be a situation where... I think there a lot of Redskins are going to have significant ownership because of the short slate and because they kind of are just all at these mediocre price points where they can just fit into a lineup. And I think a lot of the field might end up drawing dead because they just have Redskins sprinkled all over. Because if you think about it, there's really six different Redskins that might have significant ownership. You got Cousins, Rob Kelly, Deshaun Jackson, Jamison Crowder, Pierre Garçon, and Jordan Reed. Um the way I'm approaching this game is I'll probably have some redskin stacks with all those guys, but I will not just be sprinkling these guys liberally throughout my lineups just to plug holes. Um, I rather honestly do that with the Vikings Detroit game, because I think that game will be a little lower owned and those players in that game are cheaper. And honestly, I think this, this game has a chance to be more in the scoring range of the Vikings Lions game. And I think the, the Steelers game will actually have the, the highest total. So that, that was kind of my, my thought there. Um, TJ, Rob Kelly is, do you consider him a must play? He's 5,700 on FanDuel, 4,300 on DK. So on DK, you can get him in the flex on FanDuel. You'd have to use a running back spot on him. What are you doing with Kelly this week? 
for kind of all the reasons that you outlined, he's probably my fifth favorite running back on the slate, which is saying a lot considering there's only three games. Um, probably like uh, Gore, which we'll get to later, and and Riddick even more than Kelly. I mean, if in this spot, if if the game flow does go as we expect, if Kelly doesn't get a touchdown, he could put up a really ugly number. Uh, the one guy that really stands out to me in this game, if if you are for some reason playing cash games, which I don't necessarily recommend, um, but you know if if you, if you want to, outside of Zeke, uh, Pierre Garcon is a pretty ridiculous steal on DraftKings at 3,900. Considering that he has seen uh, seven targets and and five of his last six, I believe, and even saw seven targets last week with everybody healthy, Jordan Reed and Deshaun out there. Uh, one of his targets was a long touchdown, but uh, that's still a really good price if you're trying to jam in those expensive guys. Uh, but I, I kind of agree with all the points you made. I don't think there's a lot. There's there just aren't any sneaky plays in this game that you're going to be able to plug in and leverage against the field. So, uh, I mean, I guess if you are stacking this game, then uh, a Kelly lineup or two is in line. But he'll by far be owned below uh, four of the running backs for me personally. Yeah, I like him. A lot more on DraftKings where I can still play Bell and Zeke and then just put Kelly in the flex. On FanDuel, that running back spot is really valuable. So I pretty much probably won't have any Kelly on FanDuel. Des Bryant will be potentially facing off with Josh Norman. Now reports out of Washington are that Norman will just play his side and not shadow. But that's what happened last game. And then Des kind of went off. He ended with a 7 for 102 line, but Norman started shadowing him later on in the game. This might just be some gamesmanship by Washington. I'd be surprised if Norman doesn't line up on Dez quite a bit. TJ, how are you viewing Dez this week? Is he a contrarian play for you? Is he a fade because you think everyone else will think he's a contrarian play and play him anyway? Or how are you going about Dez? Yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of leveling because it's going to be I know that he knows that I know uh, type of thinking going into the game. But, I mean, on this size slate, you're going to want exposure to someone like Dez because, I mean, outside of Antonio Brown, he is the best wide receiver on the slate. Uh, we've We've talked about this before, how any stud wide receiver can put up a big number against any defense. So, yeah, I mean, I'll have some Dez. Um, I think he is the one guy that I, I probably will sprinkle into some lineups even if I don't have a uh, full game stack of this game just because he is one of the the most elite players on this slate. But he's my favorite pass catcher um, in terms of value on the Cowboys is probably Jason Witten. Yeah. Yeah, Jason Witten, and he's probably going to be high-owned, but I do like the value there where, especially on DraftKings where he's 3,200, and you can play him in the flex, or you can do a lot of different things with Witten, and he probably is not going to kill you even if he doesn't you know, score a touchdown or something like that. So do like Witten. Like Deshaun Jackson on the Redskins side is probably my favorite play out of those guys just because I think he has the most you know, slate swinging ability, you know, one or two plays from Deshaun and that could change tournaments. But yeah, for the most part, not as enthused about this game as I guess a lot of other people are. I guess it's a bit of a contrarian take, but on these short slates, you kind of have to look at them and take a stand somewhere. Cause even on these short slates, you're not going to be able to cover all your bases and you want to be overweight on 
things that you believe in. So me personally, I'll probably be underweight on this game relative to the field. I do think if you're playing FanDuel, Dan Bailey is the top kicker option on the slate for, for me personally. So take that for what it's worth. But let's get into what I think will actually be. Oh, and one thing I should mention too, Jonathan Bales, friend of the podcast, has done research that he published in his latest DFS book that I recommend you guys check out, where he found that the second of division games are usually lower scoring than the first and usually have less fantasy production. So keep that in mind that the Cowboys and Redskins and the Vikings and Lions have both played already this year. So this is a second meeting for both of those teams. But let's get into the Steelers at the Indianapolis Colts. The line was initially the Steelers favored by three and a half with an over-under of 51. Then when the news came in that Luck was going to be out and Scott Tolzien was going to start, the line moved to the Steelers as nine-point favorites with an over-under of 47. So the over-under went down four points, and the Steelers gained 5.5 on the spread. I'm sure that line will continue to fluctuate a bit between when we record this and when it closes tomorrow. But Pittsburgh's implied total is still 28. Scott Tolzien's minimum price option, as you alluded to, TJ, in his career, 61.5 completion percentage, 7.9 yards per attempt, so not bad there, but a 1-5 to touchdown-to-interception ratio on only 91 attempts, so that's really short, um, excuse me, small sample, but that's what we have for Tolzien. TJ, how does Tolzien affect Hilton and Moncrief? What I, my personal opinion on it is that and I think you probably agree is that it probably hurts Moncrief a little more. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I 100% agree because, I mean, in, in a traditional upside sense, we'd probably say that we like Moncrief because he usually dominates red zone targets a little more. But I think with Tolzien, what's going to happen is uh, Indy's going to find it really hard to move the ball consistently, which is kind of what Moncrief relies on to get those goal line looks. And uh, T.Y. Hilton, even with a, a bad quarterback, is going to have that big playability, and that's what we're going to be looking for. So uh, even if T.Y. gets loose on just one play on such a short, short slate, that one big play could really make the difference. I don't think Moncrief has that splash play upside that Hilton does. So uh, I, I do think it's it's really interesting to roster either Hilton or Moncrief kind of in a full game stack just because I think they are going to go way on their own. I probably wouldn't go as far as rolling out a ton of Tolzien just because I think uh, even if even if Hilton and Moncrief both score a touchdown, I think Tolzien could still have a pretty mediocre fantasy game overall. Uh, but I do like the idea of rolling out as two wide receivers, specifically Hilton. Yeah, I think... The thing with Hilton is he plays out of the slot more. And like you mentioned, he has that splash play ability where he could catch a short pass and then create a long gain. And that would essentially help Tolzien. So I'm not opposed to Tolzien-Hilton stacks if you're going in that direction. Moncrief, like you mentioned, is a bit dicier. Frank Gore, I think, might be a bit overlooked in this game now. The downside with Gore is he hasn't been averaging many yards per carry. He doesn't really have that big play ability, and the Steelers will no doubt be able to key in on him. But I think he could be in line for a ton of usage because they obviously have to game plan around Gore and you know maybe 
throw some passes to him. He's been pretty active in the passing game lately. Saw him take a couple wildcat snaps last week. So I think Gore is a guy that maybe, you know, he could, you know, let's say Ezekiel Elliott scores 20 points. You know, Gore is a guy that can also score 20 points just because of the circumstances of his game. He could easily, you know, get a touchdown and just a, a few more looks in the passing game than we're used to, and you know, with his fifty, sixty yards rushing or whatever, and, and and claw his way to twenty points. And I think that's something that may go overlooked. So I like Gore as a play in this game um, for the Steelers. TJ, if you had to pick one of Le'Veon or Antonio Brown, who are you going with there? Probably leaning Le'Veon, uh, just because he is just such a high volume guy, such a high floor guy. Uh, we don't have to worry about the passing game splits for the Steelers on the road, which I don't think will come into effect as much as usual in this game, but it's still something to consider. Uh, but it, it is kind of splitting hairs, but I think I, I'm going to lean Le'Veon. You mentioned Frank Gore. He's probably my favorite value running back on the slate. Uh, Gore over the last six weeks has accounted for the third largest uh, backfield share in the league so percentage of of backfield touches to running backs he's accounted for almost 90 percent of those touches so he's getting almost exclusive touches in that backfield and although indy has ran a, a fairly pass heavy offense i think with tolzine in there like you mentioned it could be a really run heavy game plan definitely and I should mention that Big Ben is still my favorite quarterback on this slate. I know a lot of people are going to like Cousins and Dak in that in that game, but I think I'm not going to overthink it here. I think Big Ben is going against a bad defense. They're the best offense on the slate, and he's got the best two players that he can throw the ball to. And Le'Veon Bell is getting wide receiver one type targets, 9.3 a game. So you're throwing 11 targets to Brown and nine targets to Bell, give me the quarterback that's throwing 20 times to Brown and Bell um, against a bad defense any day over any other quarterback. But, uh, you know, in, in case you guys are wondering, the road splits are ugly for Big Ben since 2014. At home, it's all good. 346 yards, 2.9 touchdowns, and .7 interceptions. But at on the road since 2014, only 274 yards. And just a one-to-one, 1.0 to 1.0 touchdown to interception ratio. So it's, it has been ugly for Big Ben on the road, but I'm not going to overthink it here. Um, Big Ben is too good of a quarterback um, going against too bad of a defense. Another guy that I really like in this game that I should mention, and it's one of those guys that he could end up scoring zero fantasy points or he could end up being in the winning tournament lineup. And that is Ladarius Green. Now, he's reportedly a full go this week. He was on a pitch count the last two weeks. He played 12 snaps in his first game back from injury and then only eight snaps last week. But the thing that I think may go overlooked about Green playing only 20 snaps in the last two games, he got targeted six times on those 20 snaps. So he got targeted on 30% of his snaps. Um, for some context, no tight end is getting targeted at more than 17% of their snaps this season. So even if Green just gets to 20, 30 snaps and gets, you know, five targets or so, he's at min price on FanDuel and 2,600 on DraftKings. I think he has a pretty decent shot. You know, the Colts are um, 26th 
in four for four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. If I can get a min price guy who has some talent getting passes from Ben Roethlisberger against a bad defense, um, I'm going to take it. And I really like what Darius Green um, in this game as a tight end play. I know everyone's probably going to be on Witten or, or Rudolph or maybe they'll pay up for Jordan Reed and if there's Eric Ebron. So I think what Darius Green will be the fifth highest owned tight end at best, potentially even lower than that. Um, are you feeling green at all or is it the volume too low for you? No, I'm fine with the uh, with the green leverage play just because everything you laid out there, I mean, I think they are going to have a lot of scoring opportunities, the Steelers. What we're really looking for with our tight end is an opportunity to be on offense that's going to move the ball efficiently and have increased red zone work. Uh, I mean, you've said it the past couple of weeks, this is a, a forward-looking game. The, the volume or trends haven't necessarily been there, but if the team saying he's going to be a full go, uh, then this game should shape up exactly how we would like uh, our tight end to, to shape up. So, I mean, if it, think, think about it this way. If Ladarius Green wasn't healthy and it was just uh, Jesse James, we'd probably be all over him in this spot. So they're implying that Ladarius Green is going to be in that Jesse James role we saw earlier in the season. So I, I really like that play a lot. Um, I think I'll definitely have some Eli Rogers just because we have seen him get some work and he will be a really nice leverage off of Antonio Brown as well. Yeah, definitely like Rodgers. I think he's definitely coming on in this offense, probably at this point their wide receiver too. And should mention that the Steelers, the chalk defensive play probably, mm-hmm. and for good reason. Every other team on the slate, if you're looking at 4 for 4 schedule, adjusted fantasy points allowed, which of course just takes strength of schedule into account, so it's a better way to look at matchup strength. Every other team on the slate ranks 14th or better, except the Colts versus defenses. They rank 23rd. So before even taking into account the fact that Tozine's starting or the fact that they're 9-point underdogs, our numbers, our data is just telling us that the Colts are a defense to target. And last year on the Thanksgiving slate, we saw a situation where the Panthers' defense scored 21 points, and the second-place defense was t- at 10 points. So nailing that top defense on the slate is important because they could give you that 20-point upside at relatively low cost, and they there could be a huge gap between, say, the number one and the number two defense. So something to keep in mind there. I like the Steelers' D a lot in this game. But hey guys, do you play Daily Fantasy? We're guessing you do if you're listening to this podcast. And if so, you should be playing on Draft. Get this, your chances of winning on Draft are over 200% better than on the other DFS sites. If you're not a pro and not spending hours a day on Fantasy, you should be playing on Draft. You'll win more often. It's statistically proven. On Draft, you do a simple snake draft Just like at the beginning of your season-long league, you can do drafts whenever you want. They last for just one week, and they take only minutes to complete. I have draft on my phone, just did a 10-person draft, got David Johnson with my first pick, and I'm about to do another one, so join me. Download Draft now. Be sure to enter the promo code 444, that's the number 4, the letters F-O-R, and the number 4 when you download the Draft app, and you will get a 100% bonus when you deposit. Again, download the Draft app and enter promo code 444 now. 
Let's go right into the main slate of games. That is the Sunday-only slate. No Monday games. I'll start off with my quarterback. That is Drew Brees. He's 8,600 on FanDuel, 7,100 on DK versus the Los Angeles Rams. Brees is the quarterback two on the year in terms of points per game. He's a home favorite, 26.5 implied total. It's jumping around. Some places it's 26, some places it's 27. Since 2015, at home, Breeze is averaging 360.9 yards per game, 2.92 touchdowns per game, 70.3 completion rate, and 8.68 yards per attempt. So Breeze just monster games at home, really, regardless of opponent. He has not been under 20 fantasy points in his last 10 home games dating back to last year. And over the last five weeks, no team on the main slate has passed the ball inside the 10-yard line on first or second down more than the New Orleans Saints who have done so 57% of the time. New Orleans passing a lot um, early in the downs in close. So something to keep in mind there. TJ? Yeah, uh, I had a tough time coming up with my quarterback because there's a couple guys I like on this slate, but I ultimately landed on Russell Wilson, who is $7,500 on FanDuel, $6,700 on DraftKings. He's priced as the QB 10 on FanDuel, which is pretty low considering uh, that it looks like he's starting to trend upwards towards that second half Russell that we've come to know so well over the last couple years. He's the top value on the FanDuel value reports on 444. Seattle's favored by five and a half against a Tampa Bay secondary that ranks 27th in uh, quarterback adjusted fantasy points allowed. Over the last six weeks, this Tampa Bay defense has allowed a 6.3% touchdown rate to opposing quarterbacks. Uh, That's the second highest on the main slate. And as I mentioned, Russell Wilson is just historically one of the most efficient touchdown scorers in the league uh, since he's been drafted. Over the last six weeks, that touchdown rate is only 3%, but we've seen him put up a couple big games uh, in in the past couple weeks. And this Tampa Bay defense, it's it's all about that efficiency against the quarterbacks. And I think uh, Russell Wilson can have a really efficient day, uh, both completion-wise and, and touchdown-wise, against this Tampa Bay secondary. Yeah, I like Russell Wilson a lot this week. I think he's one of the more obvious plays. He's definitely healthy. I mean, he's out there catching touchdowns, so no problem at all with Russ this week. My key stat, over the last five weeks, only seven QBs have outscored Mr. Colin Kaepernick in that Chip Kelly offense. Yeah, I was just looking at points per game uh, for the season, actually, and Colin Kaepernick uh, ranks eighth on the season, so really fantastic option there, week in, week out. Uh, My key stat touches on the guy that you talked about uh, over the last six weeks the Rams have allowed opposing quarterbacks to convert 37 percent of their red zone pass attempts into scores that's the highest touchdown rate in the red zone on the main slate and in that same time period Drew Brees has the highest red zone expected value of any quarterback on the main slate uh, if you're not familiar with red zone of red zone expected value you can look it up on four for four uh, it's a metric that I created this year that basically quantifies how many touchdowns we'd expect a player to score based on the starting field position of their red zone opportunities. Yeah, red zone expected value, really useful stat. You guys should definitely check it out. I will post a link to that article in the notes for the pod. Uh, Matt Ryan is 
at home. The Falcons have a pretty high implied total. It's hovering around 26, 27, depending where you look. But the Arizona Cardinals have been really strong against quarterbacks, haven't even allowed a 300-yard game. TJ, how are you feeling about Matty Ice this week? I don't even know if he's my favorite quarterback in that game. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I mean, Carson Palmer's offering a, a really good value in a game that uh, has the highest over-under of the week. The spread's not huge. It's only four points. So, uh, I mean, you kind of talked about it. Arizona's been pretty good against uh, quarterbacks. They've been able to get after the quarterback, which is can always uh, really put a dent in what a team wants to do through the air. So probably not a ton of Matt Ryan for me this week. Yeah, same here. You know, I looked at the team total and I said, hmm, okay, that's interesting. But when I look deeper at the matchup, I mean, the thing is, it really comes down to, I guess you can stack him with Julio Jones because it really comes down to if Julio can win against Patrick Peterson. Now, we've seen him do that before. I think in their last meeting, he went for 10 for 189 and won. But if Matt Ryan's not getting yardage from Julio I mean I don't really know where the yardage comes from I guess unless Taylor Gabriel catches another 76 yard bomb or something so won't really have too much Matt Ryan exposure but one guy I will have exposure to in this game is running back David Johnson he is expensive but worth it 9500 on FanDuel 8900 on DraftKings he has 27 DraftKings points in five of his last six games so he's essentially another Le'Veon Bell here. Over his last six games, he's averaging 27.7 touches per game. That's the most over that span, even more than Le'Veon Bell. And even better, the Falcons are ranked second to last in strength of schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. And this game does have the highest over-under on the slates. It's at around 50 points, so... Lots to like about David Johnson this week. TJ? Yeah, this is a pretty crazy week for running backs. We don't have a, a ton of huge over-unders, only one game with over-under over 50, but we have seven teams favored by at least 5.5 points, four teams favored by 7.5 points. Uh, so a lot of running backs with uh, clear roles in games where they're really big favorites. So a few different ways you can go, but... The guy that kind of jumps off the page is Melvin Gordon, averaging 29 touches per game uh, over the last f- five games for the Chargers. He's 8200 on FanDuel, $7,000 on DraftKings, so you're getting a pretty big discount for the most expensive guy, David Johnson. Uh, Melvin Gordon leads all backs on the main slate in percentage of team touches, percentage of running back touches, and... In that time period over the last six weeks, San Diego ranked second in running back workload. Almost 65% of all team touches have went to the running back. So just a ton of work being filtered through Melvin Gordon. Uh, probably as much upside as any player on the slate. He leads all backs in uh, opportunities inside the 10-yard line over the past six weeks with 18. Houston ranks 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. And he is our top value on FanDuel and uh, top five value on DraftKings. So even though there are a lot of running backs that are really big favorites and San Diego is in a game that's pretty close to a pick I think I'll still be rolling out a lot of Melvin Gordon. Yeah, the best thing about it is Melvin Gordon is good now. Like, <laughs> he wasn't always good. Like, pretty much he got good, I'd say sometime around week eight or something where 
I just remember watching, I think it was in when maybe that Broncos game or the Chargers game, one of those games where he just made some incredible run on fourth down to seal the game where he was tackled behind the line and he sometime, somehow got out of it. And ever since then, it seems like he's just been breaking tackles, which was something he really wasn't doing for the first maybe year, year and a half of his career. So like the Melvin Gordon call, want to ask you about a couple of cheaper running backs because we know how important it is to get that cheap volume at running back. We saw it last week with Robert Kelly, James Starks. Both of those guys ended up outscoring CJ Procise, who was owned a lot higher. Of course, that was because Procise got hurt. But nevertheless, that cheap volume can be important. Now, I'm looking at the 4 for 4 DraftKings running back value reports and Number one on this list is Jeremy Hill at 3,900, but he's a road underdog at Baltimore. And then number two is Chris Ivory at 4,200, and he's a road underdog at Buffalo. Now, Hill is in play because Gio Bernard done for the season, and Ivory in play because it looks like TJ Yeldon is going to miss this game with an ankle injury. Out of Hill and Ivory, TJ, who do you like more? Uh, percentage of plays given to their their running back so uh, probably Hill for me in this spot just because he is going to see uh, so much volume in a spot where he could have some touchdown upside yeah I'm leaning Hill too it's a tough matchup but the one thing about Hill is I never seem to get him right and because I think he always he always seems to perform in games where you never think he would put up numbers so this seems like a game you know road underdog good run defense where you wouldn't think he'd put up numbers but he is averaging 18 touches per game over his last three games and might see a further uptick so do like Hill now Rashad Jennings on DraftKings is the same price as Thomas Rawls they're both 5700 Rawls is at the Bucks Jennings is at the Cleveland Browns Jennings is averaging 4.78 yards per carry in his last two games it seems like the Giants offensive run blocking offensive line and run blocking has just come alive out of nowhere these past two games Jennings 18 and 26 touches over his last two games six targets in each game are you going to have significant exposure to Jennings or are you just going to stick with Thomas Rolls no I'll, I'll definitely have exposure to Jennings because we know how much Cleveland struggles uh, pretty much all aspects of defense so with that price being so close, I mean, I don't think Jennings is going to be uh, ridiculously underowned. I think people will, will recognize the good spot, but it is a spot where ownership's probably going to be split up a little bit between he and Rawls, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if surprised if Rawls ends up being the more popular play. So I like Jennings. I'm not sure I'll be rolling him out in cash anywhere. Not sure I'll need to, uh, but we'll definitely have some exposure to him against Cleveland. Yeah, I don't think it's any question that Rolls will be the more popular play. I mean, I know Cleveland's defense, people want to target it, but 
people still remember Thomas Rawls and what he did last year, and he's a favorite going against a defense that pretty bad by the numbers in terms of run defense as well. So I think Rawls will probably double up Jennings in ownership. Uh, key stat, the top six teams in terms of percentage of rushes inside the 10-yard line on first and second down over the last six weeks, uh, the 49ers at 100%, Carolina 88%, Cincinnati 79%, the Jets at 79%, the Dolphins at 77%, and the Titans at 77%. Uh, the NFL average is 62%. TJ? Uh, my key stat is that San Francisco is on pace to become the first defense since the 2013 Bears to allow at least 150 rushing yards per game. Oh, yeah. I remember those two. That was, I think that was my first year playing DFS, and it mm-hmm. was just target the Bears every week. I remember, I think it was at one point Ray Rice was having like just a horrible season and averaging like 2.8 yards per carry and he played the bears and like his first or second run went for like 60 yards yeah i think i remember that too <laughs> uh moving on to wide receiver brandon cooks is 7300 on Fanduel and 6800 on DraftKings. this is a guy who is pretty much an auto play for me anytime he's at home he averages 5.5 catches 81.8 yards and 0.72 touchdowns at home in his career he scored 25 or more DraftKings points in six of his last 10 home games dating back to 2015 and he's failed to score 14 DraftKings points only once over that span so really high floor at home and the time he failed to score 14 was in a really tough matchup with Desmond Trufant. The Rams don't really have a corner on that level. They are 24th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to the wide receiver position. And then a guy who I was low on in coming into the season because he just didn't seem like he was involved in the offense, but he's a guy that I've been having a lot of exposure to over the last few weeks, and it's paid off a lot. Rashard Matthews, he's 6,200 on FanDuel up to 5,800 on DraftKings. But over the last four weeks, he's played 87% of the snaps. And he's averaged eight targets, 5.5 catches, 71.5 yards, and a touchdown over those last four games. Prior to that, he was only playing 53% of the snaps. So before he was surviving kind of on some ridiculous efficiency, and now he's actually got the volume to back it up. So even if he experiences some touchdown regression he's been really efficient in the red zone but so has Marcus Mariota so maybe um it can continue to some degree at least but Matthews is now getting the volume to really succeed in this offense I tweeted out an article maybe a week and a half ago uh, from the Titans beat writer that noted that they are moving Matthews around the formation a lot more they trust him a lot more in the offense he's really coming on so really like him at that price point the Chicago Bears are 29th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers TJ yeah I'm I'm on the Matthews train as well I was kind of off him because of the lack of volume and what looked like unsustainable touchdown success but double digit targets at two of the last three games so I, I like Matthews a lot um my wide receiver this week, uh, Doug Baldwin, 6,800 on FanDuel, 6,400 on DraftKings. 
I already mentioned how much I like uh, Russell Wilson. We know Doug Baldwin's going to be his main target. Um, it's starting to look like 2015 all over again. He's getting some of that red zone volume that we haven't seen of late. He's going to be facing a Tampa Bay secondary that ranks 23rd in wide receiver adjusted fantasy points allowed. He, uh, Baldwin has at least six targets in four of his last five games and five red zone targets over the last two weeks after not seeing any red zone targets since week three. And only three teams have allowed more touchdowns to opposing wide receivers this year than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Another wide receiver that I like, a little bit cheaper, maybe off the uh, kind of off the board lower own play this week, uh, Devontae Parker at $6,300 on FanDuel and $4,700 on DraftKings. He has seen eight targets in back-to-back weeks, and in each of those games, he has either 100 yards or a score. San Francisco struggling in every spot on defense, last in wide receiver adjusted fantasy points allowed. They've allowed the most touchdowns to opposing wide receivers, and seven wide receivers have scored at least 20 PPR points against the 49ers. I like Devontae Parker this week. Yeah, I like Parker too, and I'm not even sure he'll be super well-owned. I think a lot of Sharps are going to be on him. I think his ownership will be maybe in the 7 to 9% range. Like, still well-owned, but I don't think he'll be necessarily like 2 3%. Um, Steve Smith, for my key stat, is averaging 6 catches, 72 yards, and a half a touchdown over his last 6 games. My key stat is over the last six weeks, Brandon Marshall is the only wide receiver with a higher red zone target share than Sterling Shepard. Yeah, I have a new process. It's called just don't play Brandon Marshall. Like, <laughs> like, that, like that has to be the new version of trusting the process because like I was actually, I responded to somebody on Twitter asked me, you know, Brandon Marshall, price gone down all these red zone targets, all these targets, like the regression has to be coming. And my response to him, and I wasn't even trying to be funny. Um, I'm not, I hope he didn't think I was, but I pretty much said, I think we might've had him projected at the wrong mean the whole time. Like he might not be due for regression because this is just his new mean. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick just struggling to get him the ball in the red zone. And, you know, defense can obviously key on him because there's no Eric Decker there, and Marshall is getting older. I mean, I haven't noticed any real drop-off in his terms of his talent level or the way he's moving on tape, but, I mean, what do you think? Is is this just what Brandon Marshall is in this current sorry state of the Jets' offense? Yeah, I mean, I have... I still have a pretty hard time ignoring the target share numbers, but uh, it's also a case... Like you mentioned, it's just really hard to uh, trust the process when this offense has been so bad. The only thing I will say is that, uh, and I think I've said this here before, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is just such a volatile style uh, quarterback that, I mean, half a season of really bad play is probably well within his expected range of outcomes, <laughs> even without a uh, a difference in skill level or, or talent around him, so... I think there probably will be a game this year where uh, we see flashes of last year. I just think that it might be uh, one or two games, and trying to figure out which game that's going to be is probably going to cost you more money chasing it than when you actually do hit it. Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, I'll probably want to roster him at some point down the stretch. I don't think this will be the week for me because we know the Patriots do – 
shut down top options when they try to. I mean, their defense has not been good this year, but I think I'm going to kind of be angling for the Patriots to hopefully shut him down and his price to drop even more and then try to roll him out um, one of these weeks uh, down the stretch. Um, Brandon LaFell, Tyler Boyd, the Bengals pass catchers. You mentioned, TJ, that the Ravens will probably be keying in on Tyler Eifert. The Ravens are a really good team in terms of defending the tight end position. And I did see a report that Tyler Eifert is going to expect more double teams. So have any interest in LaFell and Boyd? And if so, which one are you favoring? Mm, I... I think we've seen Boyd trending a little bit upwards even with before A.J. Green's injury. Uh, I, I think I saw a report of LaFell on the sideline in practice today. If I pick one, it's probably going to be Boyd, but I'm not going to be excited about it. Yeah, I think LaFell had a knee, so that's actually not a good sign for fantasy production. I, I like Boyd, too. I think this is the time of the year when you start to see rookie, especially rookie wide receivers, start to come on strong. And so I think Boyd is a perfect example of that. And in a similar situation, we have Matt Barkley starting at quarterback for the Bears. So there'll be, there's no Zach Miller, there's no Alshon Jeffrey. So you're going to have some cheap options against Tennessee, which has not done very well at defending the wide receiver uh, position. TJ, you have Cameron Meredith on one hand, who might see some time lined up on Parrish Cox if Parrish Cox keeps his job this week I heard some rumblings about him potentially getting benched but you have Cameron Meredith we've seen his upside and then you have Eddie Royal who is kind of a slot more high percentage receiver but we've seen him have a big game this year as well any interest in those guys and if so who are you favoring no <laughs> I just okay. the, the Chicago offense is like just <laughs> destined to be uh, a complete dumpster fire. Uh, I'll let someone else have fun with that. Okay, so here's my question: Brandon Marshall at whatever price he is, sixty one hundred, or any one of these guys at like four k or under. I'll take Brandon Marshall. <laughs> oh, oh man, um, I actually have some interest in Eddie Royal. I think. Somebody like the Bears have to get passing yards somehow, and I think Royal mm-hmm. will. Uh, I think he'll get some high percentage looks. Um, could be one of those games where he catches like eight passes for eighty six yards or something stupid like that. But um, I, I totally understand you there. Matt Barkley is not good at <laughs> all. Uh, tight end CJ Fedorowicz fifty two hundred on Fanduel, thirty three hundred on DraftKings. At home, he is the. He is sixth among tight ends in targets per game over the last six weeks. That kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. 7.3 targets per game over the last six weeks. And he's averaging over that span a five-catch, 54.2-yard, .4 touchdown stat line. So very, very respectable numbers for Fedorowicz on the Monday Night Football telecast. John Gruden was talking about how... Last year, the Texans really didn't use the tight end much in their offense at all. But this year, Gruden called Fedora with a primary target. And I'm starting to see that as well. It just looks like Brock Osweiler is a little more comfortable throwing to his tight ends. And Fedora is getting more snaps and targets than Ryan Griffin. So, like Fedora in this spot at home against the Chargers. TJ? 
Yeah, I'm going to go with a, a higher-priced guy that hasn't been performing too great of late, and that's Greg Olson at $7,000 on FanDuel, $5,800 on DraftKings. This is his lowest price of the year on FanDuel. Uh, it's the first time he's been priced this low on DraftKings since week three. Oakland ranks 28th in tight end adjusted fantasy points allowed, and even though the volume or points haven't been there of late, we have enough of a sample size on Greg Olson to know that uh, that's not a trend that's going to continue in this offense. He's going to end up being a, a pretty big part of this offense at some point, and this could be the spot in the game with the second highest over-under on the main slate and a spread of just three and a half. Um, like I said, his target share and red zone work have been down a little bit over the past week, but if we look at uh, other players at tight end, Greg Olson has been one of the most volatile players uh, week to week in terms of target share. So his overall target share on the year is uh, pretty much what we'd expect. It's just kind of been a roller coaster. So it wouldn't be a surprise to see him suddenly uh, see 25, 30% of the targets in a game like this against a Raiders team that struggles against the tight end. Yeah, I like Olsen. I like him in a game stack with Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper tends to really eat up defenses that play a lot of zone and the Panthers do play a lot of zone. So I like the Olsen Amari Cooper stack. My key stat, Gary Barnage is averaging 4.7 catches, 62.6 yards and 0.58 touchdowns with Josh McCown in the lineup since 2015. And when McCown's out of the lineup, only 4.1 catches, 49.9 yards and 0.2 TDs. McCown will make a start this week against the Giants and the Giants have actually given up 55 or more yards to five different tight ends over the last four games. Yeah, traditionally been one of New York's weaknesses over the middle. My key stat over the last six weeks, Antonio Gates leads all tight ends on the main slate in target share and red zone target share. Yeah, Gates is a guy I've just been playing every week. His price just always seems too low, especially on DraftKings for all mm-hmm. the red zone targets he gets. Kicker Andrew Franks is at home versus the 49ers. They rank dead last in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to kickers, and they are home favorites with a 26.5 point implied total, which is one of the highest on the slate so frank's not usually a guy we target in these situations but he's just got everything working in his favor to pay off as a dfs play at 4600 we got a defense tj uh, I'm rolling out uh, New England this week at $4,900 on FanDuel, $3,400 on DraftKings. Uh, I, I mentioned there are a lot of teams favored uh, by pretty big, mar- big margins, but New England is favored by 7.5 points against a New York Jets team that last uh, that ranks last in defensive adjusted fantasy points allowed. Ryan Fitzpatrick, as we know, has one of the highest interception rates in the league this year. You talked about it, how Bill Belichick's going to scheme to take away opposition's best wide receiver. If they successfully take away Brandon Marshall, it could be a really long day for the Jets and Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and you mentioned how little respect you have for the Bears' offense. Um, The Titans' defense is one of my favorite plays this week. I think they're 40. 500 on FanDuel, I believe. I'm not sure. I don't have it in front of me, but they're pretty cheap, and I'm not sure too many people will be on them just because they are the Titans' defense. But uh, are you 
rolling out the Titans at all this week, TJ? Yeah, I like the Titans. There's quite a, f- uh, a few good plays at defense this week, but uh, they're definitely one of them just because targeting that, that really bad quarterback's probably going to be a good way to rack up fantasy points. Definitely. So that about wraps it up for us on the Week 12 slash Thanksgiving edition of DFS MVP again. Check out the 4 for 4 DK Championship. Come play us. Try to qualify for a seat in the Week 15 Championship. You can go to 444.com, the DFS submenu at the top of the page, and you will see a link to the Championship Qualifier for this week. Also, be sure to check out the DFS subscription if you're not already a subscriber. The price has gone down significantly since the beginning of this season. TJ, quick word about Roster Coach before we get out of here. Yeah, Roster Coach is a website that I founded this year that really digs into the process of DFS, kind of taking you beyond the week-to-week picks gives you a chance to really uh, look into our day-to-day as we go through our research, build our lineups. And also, every coach at Roster Coach is available for one-on-one DFS coaching. That includes myself and Chris. Uh, if you want to expedite the learning process or if you just have a week where you're really behind on research and uh, need an hour to, to go over some key stats, uh, we're available for, for that Uh, tailor a plan specifically for you. I think it's a really great resource. We've had a lot of really positive feedback and it's been a really fun year. So check out rostercoach.com. Yeah, guys, great site. A lot of awesome videos on there as well. So check it out, rostercoach.com. Happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours from TJ and myself and all of us at 4 for 4. We really appreciate you guys listening, tuning in every week. Um, sharing the podcast and giving us positive feedback. If you like the pod, take a second, rate us on iTunes. And we are out of here to go dig into some turkey. TJ, any last words? This year, I'm thankful for the shmoney. Let's get this shmoney. We drop bows on them. Drop bows on them. Win, win. Dirty South Bay, Dirty South Girls, give me Dirty South.
rocks. And good fella rich hand me down stocks. Mouth full of platinum, mouth full of gold. Cow, keep your mouth on hold. Lie through your teeth, you can find your mouth cold. And rip out your tongue, cause it's what your mouth told. Sweat for the lemonade, sweat for the tea. Sweat from the hot sauce, sweat from the tea. And you can sweat from a burn in the third degree. And if you sweat in your sleep, then you sweat from me. All my players in the house that can Getting hit by bars. Keep your close, cause she's hit by bars. Hit by the Neptunes, hit by guitars. Afro picks, Afro chicks. I let my soul from my Afro. Rabbit out the hat, pulling Afro tricks. Afro American, Afro. Overall country, overall jeans. Overall, we overall clean. Southern hospitality, your overall mean. Overall triple, overall beam. Thugged out, wearing thugged out. Drop 